Welcome to the Gym Session, brought to you by Sportsmate Mobile and Footy Live. It's time to chat all things football with your host, Jimmy Sabo. Hello and welcome to the Gym Session, wherever you may be listening. I'm Jimmy Zabo, and I'm here thanks to Sportsmate Mobile and Footy Live, and I'm sure you would have noticed while using your app over semi-final weekend that Footy Live's AFL coverage is brought to you by British Paints. Are you procrastinating on a paint project? The fear of mucking up can strike at any time. Fight the FOMU with British Paints. From first-time painters to seasoned home improvement gurus, you can get a great result on your exterior project with British Paints Four Seasons. It's easy to apply with a finished design to last and last. That's why it comes with a 25-year guarantee. So get started today and fight the FOMU with British Paints. While you fight the fear of mucking up with British Paints, I'll do the same with the rest of my podcast. We have a huge show today and I'm very, very excited. I've got Mark Allen. He's dropping by for an inspirational chat about his uh, cancer battle, his broadcasting career and a preview on the upcoming preliminary finals. We'll recap some of the major fallout from the weekend's action and hear what Nick Gulenmino's pissed off about this week with his famous Nick Off segment. Uh, Tweets and emails, they'll be covered off. I'll, I'll give you more hot takes as well that you can abuse me about. And uh, we'll speak about everything you need to know this footy week. But first, let's get to our wonderful round recap of semi-final week. Yes, Jimmy! Tigers came out bolting from the start against the Saints, who looked over the hill. While there wasn't any ball movement fit for a king. St Kilda had an annoying twitch they just couldn't scratch, while Richmond's linchpin kept the wheels in motion. A needless act made headlines, but a 31-point win was all that mattered. Dimmer's looking brighter, and Dusty has never looked so clean. Cold pies, soft cocks, rough head, and nothing noble. Imagine that. The buck stops with Nath, but his men were anything but crisp. The Cats, however, with their famous hoops, were playing ball, rebounding, and dunking. The forward line was fraught with danger, who kicked the bag and broke packs and Collingwood hearts. Stewart gave fans a reason to believe, while Tomahawk was a real weapon. Chris Scott's men sent the Pies on a Geelong road back home after a 68-point smashing. This may well and truly be the year of the cat. Yes, Jimmy! Okay, today's guest is an inspiration to so many people around Australia. He's a former touring professional golfer who spent 15 years as a regular competitor throughout the 90s and early 2000s. Going into the world of sports broadcasting as a radio host, his humour, humbleness and authenticity attracted listeners from around the nation. With his co-host David Schwartz, he and the Ox became our regular companions on the drive home and now reached our ears through 3AW's Twilight Zone on a Saturday afternoon. Marco's messages have not only impacted our lives with his work throughout the airwaves, his battle with stage 4 cancer has educated, inspired and influenced so many people who have heard his story. I'm privileged today to talk to Mr. Mark Allen. Welcome, Marco. Thanks for having a chat. Oh, good on you, Jimmy. That was a very nice intro, mate. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. <laughs> no worries, mate. Can I ask you how you're travelling health-wise, first of all? Can you give us an update, please? Yeah, I'm, I'm 100%. I'm uh, off walking now. I'm going to do about eight kilometres this morning. Yeah. And I'll do a few push-ups along the way and a few sit-ups. Uh, I can tell you this, apart from having to go to the loo yeah. a little bit more often than I used to... Um, I am. I'm 100. I'm really happy to say. That's good, mate. That's good to hear. Now I've heard you. I've heard you speak about a, a positive mindset being so crucial in your progress, and how how doing things you love can make such a difference. Um, yeah. I think it's it's fitting that something you love so much has impacted your life so greatly. So golf, obviously, it allowed you to tour professionally. It got you your first taste of radio, I believe, and in a way gave you the opportunity to to beat cancer. Can you tell us how that round of golf? at the same time and place as uh, Dr. Jeffrey Wells changed your life forever? Well, I was going to wait 12 weeks for a colonoscopy after Mm -hmm. I went and saw my GP. Um, When I wiped my bum, I used to see a tiny, and I'm talking a tiny little bit of red blood. It wasn't Mm -hmm. like I looked down and got a fright or anything. I'd seen it a lot, but it was happening a little bit more often than I was used to, you know, maybe twice a week. Uh, anyway, I went to my GP. I've always been having my tests, uh, my blood tests, that is. And she said, listen, maybe it's time for a colonoscopy. I said, yeah, let's book it in. It was over Christmas. And a lot of people get their colonoscopies over Christmas. So there was an 11 or 12-week wait from that day. And I didn't bother, it didn't bother me because she, uh, 
she told me, she goes, listen, you haven't lost any weight. Your blood tests are all good. Um, I don't think you've got cancer, but why don't we just have a look and see what it is? It might be a polyp or something like that. So the very next day, I was at the golf course. Um, The doctor owned a horse called Snitty Kitty, Dr. Jeffrey Wells. Mm -hmm. I used to win a little bit of money on Snitty Kitty from time to time. So so I went up to uh, Dr. Wells and I said, Doc, uh, when's Snitty Kitty running? And after all the, the garbage about that, I was almost bragging to him, saying, hey, listen, I'm getting a colonoscopy. And he was inquisitive. He said, why? Mm. And I told him why. Uh, and he said, oh, God, Mark, don't wait. Don't wait. Mm. I'll get you in. I'll get you in. And on the spot, he made a couple of phone calls and got me in to see probably the leading guy in Australia, okay. Professor Ian Jones. So I went and saw him. Uh, we had the colonoscopy. I woke up. Uh, he told me right there and then, I could see it in his eyes, that they found a large tumour in my rectum. Um, and that meant I had to go and get a PET scan the next day. And after the PET scan, they found another uh, tumour in my lung. It was one millimetre away from being inoperable. Yes. So if I didn't see, you know, if I didn't turn up to golf the next day, and if Jeffrey Wells, the doctor, if he wasn't playing in the morning instead of the afternoon then I wouldn't be here. It's as simple as that. And every doctor tells me exactly the same thing. So, look, uh, my love of golf has got me a lot of things in my life. Mm -hmm. I've been so lucky, fortunate. Um, But certainly, on that occasion, it saved my life. Yeah, for sure. I've I've heard you speak about it before. 103 Australians die from bowel cancer a week, which is ridiculous. So it's great you can share your story and experience. Before I ask you about your career, what's the number one message to everyone when it comes to their health? Oh, get checked early. Yeah. Don't, don't wait for this. Uh, my, I, I can speak for bowel cancer. Yeah. Don't wait for the bag to arise. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have any kind of family history of cancer at all, doesn't matter where it is. Um, if you go to your doctor and you do wipe your bum every once in a while, there's a little bit of blood or, you know, unfortunately with bowel cancer, you know, not much gives it away. Mm. And because of the nature of your bowel, you know, things secrete through your bowel all the way. That is the cancer. Cancer spreads through your bowel and off it goes into different body parts and that's when uh, you get those statistics you just mentioned. So, look, I know everyone gets a blood test for cancer every once in a while. I reckon once you get to 40, if you've got an inkling that something mightn't be right, don't, don't go to the GP and get your blood test or wait for the bag that you poo in and you send off. Ask for a colonoscopy. Mm-hmm. Just get it done. Yeah. Uh, it's so preventable what I went through. Uh, good message. Um, all right, let's get to your broadcasting career, Marco. How did you break into radio, and what's the story uh, behind you teaming up with David Schwartz? <laughs> well, breaking into radio, I, l- I led the British Open qualifying in 1999. Yeah. Um, and I hadn't done much for a long time in the, the world of golf. I hadn't, I hadn't done anything, really. I, I came second in the West Australian Open earlier that year, and that got me enough money to get over there. The last round, mind you. Um, after the first three rounds, I played pretty ordinary and I was going to retire. So my caddy said, let's go out and get drunk. I said, yeah, let's do it. I went out till three or four o'clock in the morning, got in the first tee, didn't know where I was. <laughs> and when I finished up, um, I'd, uh, I was seven under through 10 holes, ended up shooting 66 and came second, won $10,000. And that got me, that kept me going. Not bad. Uh, yeah. Three, and I was blind. I, I was never a drinker, <laughs> never, ever. But I was finished. I, I thought I was done. Yeah. Anyway, uh, two months later, I went off to the British Open, uh, led the qualifying. Led, led the qualifying with two blokes. One, one guy called Luke Donald. He was a little amateur at that stage. Yeah. Luke went on to be the number one player in the world. Yeah. And another bloke called Michael Campbell from New Zealand. Yeah. Yeah. He ended up beating Tiger Woods down the stretch. And of course, here I am talking to you, Jimmy. Yeah. But that's a different story. <laughs> so when I when I qualified, three radio stations called me because it was a big deal leading the British Open qualifying back yeah. in those days. Um, and once I got through Kevin Bartlett back in 1907, there was a radio show before your time called Pig, Jimmy and Rude Boy. Mm-hmm. So it was Jason Dunstall, James Hurd, and uh, Wayne Carey did a show. I think it was Triple M. By the time I got the 3OW, their breakfast program, Ross Stevenson and Dean Banks, I had the hang of this radio stuff and yeah. I told a couple of stories and... They loved, they loved the stories. They didn't care about the golf or that I led. They loved the little stories that I gave. Yeah. 
and they asked me to be their correspondent for the week. So I said yes. I didn't think I was... I saw Carnoustie that week. It was the hardest golf course I'd ever seen to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't think I was going to do much good. So I said, yeah, I'll be correspondent. And uh, I think it was about three more crosses I did for them. Uh, all these crazy made-up stories after that. We ran out of stories. I had to make a few up. <laughs> and they loved it so much. They loved it so much that um, I ended up being their correspondent uh, for the next four years until a little radio station called SCN started up. Mm-hmm. I, was asked, uh, I was asked if I could do a one-hour golf program on a Wednesday night, and I said yes. Yep. Uh, uh, then I became the fill-in guy at that joint, so I was filling in for Francis Leach and filling in for uh, Andrew Marr and Breakfast and filling in everywhere, really. Uh, and then one day, Francis decided he didn't want to work at this end anymore, and uh, me being the fill-in guy, I was kind of first drop, so I got the gig, and uh, I've, loved, I've loved radio. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a wonderful job. Yeah, beautiful. You, you you said you you led the the British Open. You're leading actually into round three of the New Zealand Open. I think it was it was it 2000 over Michael Campbell before the announcer jinxed you. Um, <laughs> you you would have, you would have faced some extreme extremely nerve wracking pressure moments in your golf career. But has any bro- has any broadcasting moment caused the same emotion like your first show maybe or a big interview? Do you get nervous? No, I, I never got any uh, nervous for interviews or. Yeah. or anything like that. I, I remember the first time I thought I was on TV. Yeah. So early in my career, um, you know, I, I used to watch Hey Hey Saturday. You probably don't even know what that yeah, show no, is. Yeah, no, I do. I do. I do. <laughs> <laughs> but when the red light went on, it meant that you were on. You are right, yeah. So I remember hitting off. I was, I was doing quite well in the tournament in, in 1990. It was a Saturday. And I got on the tee, and the cameraman, I could hear something buzzing in his ear, and the red light went on the camera. Yeah. And I thought to myself, oh, hang on, I'm on TV. <laughs> so I was only about 21 years old. I remember being very nervous in that situation. Yeah. And I didn't top the ball, but I hit the <laughs> I hit a professional top, you know. Yeah, it, was, yeah, yeah. it was as low, a skinny, disgusting shot as you've ever seen. Um, and I remember thinking, oh, my God, what's all this professional golf about then? I think a little later that round, people were running behind me with cameras and stuff like that. So the first time I experienced that, there was a bit of nerves. But um, you kind of, it's a bit like what you're doing. You know, the first time you do something like uh, public speaking, you do get nervous. But after a while, you just build up your immunity to those nerves. And that's exactly the same in golf. Mm -hmm. I remember joining Huntingdale Golf Club when I was 13 or 14 years old. I was really nervous in the Wednesday Stableford comp. Yeah, <laughs> but you build up, and then I was nervous in the club championships. And then I ended up, you know, you get past that. You, then you end up getting nervous when I was recruited to Texas Tech to play some golf over there. I was mm-hmm. nervous, but you just build up your immunity to those nerves. And in the end, you can stand on the third, so, you know, on the first team, you know, in, in Australian Open. And the best idea was in the third last group of an Australian Open, and they're literally no nerves because you've built up yeah. this immunity to being in that situation. Yeah, yeah. It, it's been a long stretch with, with you and Ox, obviously. You work together perfectly, great chemistry, banter, but I'd assume that working with the same person every day would have its occasional challenges. What What's the key to making a, a duo like yours work so well? We'll be back after a quick break. Very good question, Jimmy. You're a very smart man. And <laughs> my dad told me this a long time ago, and yeah. I always remembered it. Yeah. I used to pick, like, like a lot of older brothers, I used to pick on my older, my younger brother. Yeah. I used to, I used to give it to him. Mm-hmm. And one day, you know, he saved us enough money and he bought a belt back. Um, and he said, what do you think of my belt? And I said, oh, it looks, looks like it's plastic, right? Yeah, yeah. And my dad overheard me. And he came in. 
and said, what the hell is wrong with you? Give the kid a win. Yeah. Give him a win. And then, you know, later in life, my, mother, my father and my mum, they, they divorced. Yeah. And I can always remember in those fights, you know, Gary would just say, don't give me a win. I just, you just got to give me a win yeah. at some stage. And that's what Ox and I do. I mean, mm-hmm. I explained this to Ox at the start. And this doesn't even mean with Ox. It's all the people you work with, so the people on the boards, the people who produces, the whole lot. Yeah. Everybody has got to get a little win from time to time. Mm, yeah. And I think that's the best thing that Ox and I have in our working relationship. Yeah, we, we play golf every once in a while. Every once in a while we'll have a beer. But mainly, you know, we're next to each other in the studio. Now we've started an advertising agency called Assembled Media. Yeah, yeah. We're working together there as well. Awesome. But yeah. the beautiful thing that we do is we give each other little wins. Yeah. Now, even if I think something is wrong or we can do it a little bit better, if he's passionate about it, I say, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. And I can feel him doing that for me as well. If I'm passionate about something and he thinks he's got a better idea, but he knows I'm passionate about it, I want to do it, he'll give me that win. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important in all relationships. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Do you have a favourite moment with Ox at all? Is there one that stands uh, out? Oh, well, he's a very funny person. Yeah. You know, you know my favourite moment's probably with Ox. And sometimes we'll just walk down the street together. You know, we might be going from one meeting to the car or whatever. Yeah. But he's such a popular person in this town mm. that people will literally hang out the window of their car <laughs> and say, Ox! Ox! <laughs> you know, they just wave at him. Yeah. Ox! Because I think, you know, my generation, so I'm 51, yeah. I remember him being the most nimble, amazing player with mm. a bit of chemistry, you know, a bit of, uh, you know, he was just, there was always excitement when he went near the ball. Yeah. And then he carried that on with, in radio, this amazing ability to be able to talk to every person. Mm. And he listens to every person. Every day I go in there, he writes down stuff in his notebook. He writes the name of the person. He writes down what they were talking about. Uh, and he's been doing that religiously. So, yeah. I, I love that about him. That's my favourite moment. It wouldn't be a moment on air because we always have a good time. Yeah. But just being around him and people you know, hang out that car window and love him. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll tell you the other one too. When I was sick in 2019, he was unbelievable, mate. Mm-hmm. He, he really was amazing. When I was cooking, you know, I was turning up, um, going through chemo, you know, I'd, I would have had the, the stuff in my veins the day before and he knew I was a big cook. Yeah. But he was great, you know. He, he 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 didn't treat me like I was sick and I didn't want to be treated like I was sick. I was trying yeah. not to act sick. But he just got me through those periods. Every once in a while he'd say, hey, listen, take Friday off, will you? Don't come into work tomorrow. Look after yourself. Yeah, yeah. Unprompted, all that stuff. So I love him, mate. Yeah. He's a great fella. No, that's great. That's good to hear. Um, I wanted to ask you because working in, in radio and broadcasting, it comes with some difficulties. Obviously, there aren't a lot of guarantees, for example. And I can remember your, your departure from SEN was a shock to you and, and to your fans also. How tough is the radio industry because of moments like that? Uh, well, you, get, you try and turn them around. Mm. You, know? you try and turn those moments around and somehow change the way it's viewed or looked at. Yep. So... Yeah, all, all live radio, and, and I imagine I've done much live TV, just the commentary. Yeah, it's all about those moments and how you handle them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's just the way just the way it is. If you make a mistake, you know, it's not how it's not the mistake you make. It's it's how you handle that mistake mm-hmm. live on radio. And you'll find this: the longer you do this sort of stuff, you might make a little mistake in the way you've said something. But straight after that, you'll just be able to go bang, get back on the horse. And people will forget about that mistake in two seconds flat mm. if you have the right attitude. So yeah. it's an attitudinal thing. Um, and, you know, we've always had that, I guess, off tonight because we played sport. Mm. Understand, you can't look backwards in the rear vision mirror too yeah. often. You've yeah. got to keep moving forward. I think a lot of sports, people in sports radio are good at it. Yeah. So just before I ask you about the footy coming up this week, obviously to make it to where you've where you are now, you've got to be tough, talented, tenacious, that sort of thing. What's your number one piece of advice for aspiring broadcasters and sports media professionals? Uh, well, you've got to be true to yourself. So 
you know, I'm, I'm not a serious football person. There are serious football shows that I love to watch, like, you know, the Cow Show, AFL 360. Yeah. I love watching them. They're fantastic. But that's not me. Mm. And that's not Ox. We do sports shows um, in our comfortable environment. We almost imagine we've got a beer in our hand and we're just having a, yeah. a bit of a chat about everything. And you've got to be versatile, you know, so sometimes, especially during that Essendon saga. Um, you've got to smarten up. You've got to straighten up. And, and be AFL 360 or the couch or whatever. You've got to do that. Mm. But the majority of the time, it's about having fun, looking at a different way, looking at sport a little bit differently, trying to put a smile on each other's face. Because if I know, if I make him laugh or if he's enjoying his time, then hopefully so is our audience. And you know, just knowing who you are, I think, is a very, very important mm-hmm. factor when you go into something. You've got to be yourself. Yep. Yeah, definitely. All right, the Pies, Marco, uh, their efforts on Saturday night, they wouldn't have been easy, easy to watch for you as a Collingwood supporter. But what do you what do you give Collingwood season as a whole? Is that a par? Is it a bogey? How are you scoring 2020 for Collingwood? Well, I, I do the same for everybody every year. So yep. I think if you win the premiership, it's an A+. Plus. Yep. If you get to the grand final, you get an A-. minus. If you win two finals, you get a B. Yep. If you win one final... You get a C, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, there's a lot of Ds, <laughs> and then probably down the bottom, there might be a couple of Fs, you know, so yeah. probably Adelaide would get the F this year. Uh, North Melbourne is a club, not so much the team, but as a club, probably gets the F. Um, so that's the way I've always... It's a brutal competition, mm. but, you know, you win a couple of finals, you've had a cracking year, and I think Collingwood winning one final, uh, St Kilda winning one final... Not to be sneezed at this competition. Yeah. It's not like the old days in the VFL where there were 12 teams. Yeah, yeah. Five, t- five teams couldn't possibly win it, so you're basically one chance in seven of winning the granny. That's right. It's not like that anymore. There's 18 teams in this competition, and they're all trying. Mm-hmm. So it's a bloody tough one to win these days. It is. All right, so we're going with Collingwood with a C, then we'll give him a C. Um, we've got some cracking prelims coming up this week. Uh, start with Friday night, Port and Richmond. Who are you tipping yeah. for the win? Can the Tigers do it, the Dirty Tigers, or is Port, is that the feel-good Port, are they getting the win? Ooh. Um, look, I, I, it's going to be a close game. Yeah. Uh, I think Richmond are a better team if they had a neutral place. But I do think Port Adelaide, they are, those players being in their own bed this week, or mm. I'm assuming they're in their own bed this week, that's the only reason I would suspect Port Adelaide will win this game. Mm. Like I said, I think Richmond are a better team. I think if they played this game at the Gabba, I would have taken Richmond. Yeah. But I'm going to give them the advantage, the statistical advantage of playing at home, and I reckon they'll win by a couple of goals. Mm. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Do you, did, did you mind the Dirty Tigers, the Tom Lynch acts, the playing on the edge? Did no, you... that's okay. Yeah. I don't know what everyone gets their knickers in and off for. You can't miss a final for doing something like that. Yeah. I don't think you can miss round 17 for doing something like that. Yeah. But I do think a $750 fine is a joke. That would be like fighting me $5. Yeah. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. I'd happily pay $5 to put my knee in someone's face that I didn't like. <laughs> Beautiful. There you go. Make it 10. That's Make it 20. Yeah, I couldn't care less. Yeah. So, Ox and I have always been championing the uh, the fine double. Mm-hmm. So, 33% of the average player's wage, uh, so let's say that's $300,000, is $1,000. Mm-hmm. So, if you do something stupid like that, you get a $1,000 fine. Then it doubles the next time you do something stupid. Then it doubles again the next time you do something stupid. If you have a two or three year period where you don't do anything, like your license points, it all goes back to scratch and you can start again. Yeah. The niggle is so important in our game. They are warriors. The people love it, but I don't want to see people and players and champions in finals for that kind of crap. Mm-hmm. Yep, no, that's fair enough. I heard you talk about that on Saturday, actually, with the Ox, and a lot of people agreed with you, and as do I. The last one, the Lions, they lost to Geelong earlier in the season, but it's fair to say they're a different team now. They've matured. They've got the monkey off the back with a finals win. They're playing in front of the home fans. Do they get the job done against the Cats? Who are you tipping for this one on Saturday? Uh, yeah. Yes, I do. Uh, and I'm not saying I don't give Geelong a chance, because yeah. even though they played a Collingwood team that was clearly had given their all the week before and had nothing less in the tank. Yep. Um, that was clear and obvious and people were saying other stuff. I don't think they've played much sport for a long time. I really don't. Hmm. Um, big efforts. 
drain, yeah. And I think every time we play, look drain. Not a winner on the park. But um, I was impressed with the way Geelong continued to monster Collingwood. Yeah. They destroyed them. You know, another team might have taken the foot off the pedal and just cruised into the prelim. But their mindset is very, very strong. Mm-hmm. They want to be destructive, and that's what they were against Collingwood. So, again, if this game was played at the uh, at the MCG, let's play, let's say let's say this game was played in Perth. Yep, I'd probably reckon that Geelong would win. Mm. But again, I think those their Queensland team uh, sleeping in their own beds on a roll, uh, fierce crowd. I do think that gives them. Uh, enough advantage for them to win by two goals as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice one. I'm tipping the lines as well. Hey, Marco, I normally end off with 10 quick-fire questions. Is it all right if I go yeah. through them with you? Yep, perfect. All right, Let's cool. Let's go. All right, your favourite food? Pizza. Pizza, good. What flavour? Oh, uh, so I like anchovies. Yeah, so do I'm I. a big anchovy man. Capriciosa? No, I don't like olives. Okay. Uh, sorry, I don't like olives or mushrooms. Oh, all right. So uh, usually I just have a bit of ham... Um, anchovies and the capsicum. That's yeah. me. Okay, good. Your favourite movie? Uh, some of the Brad Pitt movie. I keep watching it at the moment, actually. Um, Moneyball. Oh, Moneyball, yes. Be, yeah. Yeah, it used to be the one when they were in prison. What's that called again? I've forgotten uh, that one. Shawshank Redemption. Shawshank, used yeah. to be Shawshank. Yeah. But now, I love... You love Moneyball. Moneyball. Yeah, it's Absolutely a classic. Absolutely love it. It's great. I can watch it a hundred times, I reckon. Yeah, yeah me too. Uh, if you could play a round of golf with any footballer, past or present, who would it be? Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. Um, uh, I'm going to say the, the guys who can play a bit. So, hmm. I, I think Jack, Jack Revolt. Yeah. He could have been a good professional golfer. Yeah. So okay. I'll put him in there. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I play with Ox all the time, so I'm not going to put him in there. <laughs> uh, I'll put Jack Rewell. That'll do me at the moment. Okay. Just Jack. Jack. Jack and I. Jack and I in a two. Yeah. That'll do us. Brilliant. Yep. Uh, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Melbourne. Even no. now. Even now. Even, e- even now. I've got confidence. Yeah. That. Uh, it might take 10 years, mind you, Jim, but uh, <laughs> i got confidence that we're living in a very, very good spot on this planet. Yeah, good. Uh, your favourite footy moment? Uh, well, two. Two yep. favourite footy yeah, moments. Yeah, two, yeah. Uh, when the siren blew in 1990 and the siren blew for the second week in 2010. Mm-hmm. Can't go past them. If you're lucky enough to have been a, a premiership that your club has played in, think of those lucky Hawthorne people, eh? Yeah. Uh, but the C2 for Collingwood, they're my favourite moments. Yeah, nice. All right, I know your favourite band is U2, I believe. Yes. Uh, what's your favourite yes. What's your favourite song of all time? <laughs> oh, Josh, uh, I like that whole album, actually. Yeah. The best of the best of album. Yeah. Still don't know what I'm looking for. If I was back, I don't know the names. But I just know the songs. Okay. That keeps me happy. Yeah, yeah, good. Uh, are you a morning or night person? Morning. Morning. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Yeah, and I'm, I'm nodding off these days. It's about nine pm, so <laughs> definitely a morning person. Nice. Uh, who is your idol? Oh, I had a couple of facts. Like Lee Trevino was an idol. Yep. Uh, David Graham was an idol. Yeah. Um, I'd read so much about Ben Hogan. He was an idol, but I didn't really see much of him until now. Now that YouTube's available. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greg Norman was an idol. Yep. And Sevi Bellasios as well. So I had quite a few. Uh, you were leading, weren't you, against that man? Uh, was it in New Zealand? No, or the, or the British Open against... Oh, um... uh, yeah, I, I, I think I beat about four people in. One was Sergio and one was Sevi. Yeah. In that British Open. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Being your idol, not too bad. Uh, I heard you were a bit of a break dancer back in your day, a good dancer. <laughs> what what night what nightclub did you do your best work at? I, I was never a break dancer. Um <laughs> Uh, I did like going out in, yeah. uh, back in the day. Yeah. Boutique is probably the favourite one. Boutique, yeah. The carousel was also very, very good. Yeah. Probably never heard of that one. That was on uh, the lake. Okay. But no, I used to like it. I used to have a dance with the girls and um, and have fun. Yeah. Always, uh, yeah, great, great memories. Good, good. All right, last one. If you didn't, yeah. if you didn't change your swing after the summer of ninety two, ninety three, how many yeah. more tournaments would you have won? None. None. And right now, would have, nah, and right now, I would have been an electrician or a salesperson. <laughs> oh, okay. 
<laughs> but go. I wouldn't have lasted. I wouldn't have lasted. No? I was cooked. And I wouldn't have had all these great stories to tell, too, about doing stuff wrong. That's benefiting you from it from down the track. So it's a good question. I think I would have been cooked either way. <laughs> you know, I really do. That's all right. I would have ended up exactly the same. Yeah. Uh, well, Mark, I, I sound like a fanboy, but I'm a huge admirer of your work, mate, and it means a lot to me, and I'm sure many others who who are inspired by you that you made the time to come on and chat. So I can't thank you enough, mate. Oh, absolute pleasure, Jimmy. Anytime I can help, just give me a call. Will do, mate. Thank you so much. Yes, Jimmy. Nick off. Nick off. Nick off. Nick off. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for everybody's favorite part of the show. Nick Guglielmino is here with his famous segment. Nick, it's time to tell somebody to nick off. Nick off. James, I hope you don't mind me bringing up another Hawthorne-related topic. Oh, no, go for it. It's been a tough off-season already watching all the other teams in finals, but I want to speak of a certain AFL journalist who has a weird obsession for Alistair Clarkson. Weird. More weird than me, yep. And that is none other than Damien Barrett. Oh, yeah? You're you're aware of his um, Sliding Doors article, correct? Yeah, very aware. I read it Um, every week. He's got quite a history with Hawks fans because of this controversial article. Do you ever pay attention to his piece on Hawthorne or do you always skip to Richmond? I normally go straight to Richmond. No, I read them all, but sometimes <laughs> I... Don't worry, anything... I'll give you a few examples for context. Okay, okay. that's right. Anything Hawthorne-related, i just ask you anyway, because you're all over Yeah, it, exactly. So. I'm usually pretty vocal on Twitter, but yeah. here, here are a few examples, all right? Yeah. If you ha- heard Clarko last week on SEN sucking it up about the game's current defensive trends, then you would have nearly ordered a violin. It was nothing more than a massive sook and a diversionary tactic. Give us a spell, Clarko. Another one. If Clarko keeps talking about playing the kids, then I'll believe it when I see it. There's a a collision course still on track for Hawthorne from here. Another one. It's now well known that Clarko likes strumming his guitar. Then it seems he wants others to get the violins out for him. (laughs) I could keep going. There's, I'll give you one more. Okay, go. Give um, us some more. Your strongest one. Go. If the Hawks were prepared this week to break an embargo that they had requested on a property source story by media outlet, whatever that means, then the tiptoeing within the club around the control freak Clarko seems to have no bounds. He's called him every name under the sun. These attacks are ridiculous. Oh, I reckon he's now, believe, few, what, but yeah. believe what you want to believe. You can believe him. That's fine. Yeah. But James, you and I are both writers. What's the one thing we've been taught to avoid doing? Being repetitive. We <laughs> don't want to produce the same content on a weekly basis. Oh, we've changed like, it up though. He's been he's used other words. I think I don't think he's been repetitive. That that's that's a fair call. <laughs> but it's clear he's got an agenda on the club or Clarkson, whichever one. Now with Hawthorne's season done and dusted, Clarko on holiday sipping margaritas in his Brighton home far away from Damo grinding his gears on the opposite end of town in the slumps, you'd think would be clear of any further overstated <laughs> Hawthorne stories for at least a few months. I'm guessing well, no. no. Once again, good old Damo, Damo has popped up again, but perhaps he should have done his research first. Oh, no, here we go. Uh, you must be, you've heard of the trade links um, between Collingwood and Jack Gunston, correct? Yeah. Well, Damo has stupidly come out and said there is still an unknown around Gunston's future and that he is yet to publicly come out and say he wants to remain a Hawk. Okay, firstly, Gunston signed a three-year contract last year. So he's a couple of days from being 29 years old and he's contracted until the end of 2022. So I'd say that's pretty bloody secure. Secondly, he won the Peter Crimmins medal the other week and he came out straight away on Instagram saying he's looking forward to climbing back up the ladder with Hawthorne in 2021. Now, unless he was talking about Collingwood and climbing up the ladder with them, that's pretty public for you, Damo, wouldn't you think? (laughs) I mean, and lastly, Graham Wright has already strongly stated that Hawks aren't trading Gunston or Bruce. So if that hasn't drilled the message into Damo's head yet, I don't know what will. I don't get where Damo gets his information from, but I think footy fans deserve better than this gutter journalism. <laughs> so just do us all a favour, 
favour, Damien Barrett, and just nick off. Nick off. Oh, that is strong. That's very strong from you. Well done, Nick. Thank very you. good. Can I ask you a question, though? Yeah. Um, do you when you read the sliding doors article, do you just go down to Hawthorne because he's been pretty harsh on other teams as well? I'm not saying he's not harsh on Hawthorne, but he oh, has. He... No, mate, I, I do tend to read them. Um, I kind of dropped off the sliding doors article after reading a few of his pieces on Hawthorne, um, but it's fine to it's fine to have cracks at other teams, but the the, the fact that he keeps attacking Clarko. Every single week, it just gets a bit boring. Like, find something else to pick on. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. It's boring for you, maybe, but other people might enjoy it. And uh, oh, I mean, that's fine. Yeah. I'm sure you would enjoy it. I wouldn't say enjoy, but sometimes it's nice to hear him point out some things that Clarko he likes to div- like say things as a uh, as a diversion and kind of um, put the pressure away from the players. Sometimes he puts it on himself and he'll, he'll chuck out a little quote to grab a headline and make sure his players don't cop it after a horrible week. But And he is... Yeah, anyway. That's fine. I said, believe what you want to believe, that's fine. But to call him a sook for three weeks straight and then on the fourth yeah. week change it up with control freak... Uh, uh, you know what I mean, like. Yeah, no, no, that's fair enough. Yeah, I like oh, it. Well. I like it, Nick. Very strong. <laughs> hey, last week you brought up Adrian Dodoro, and you were saying I that did. he was. Um, I can't remember. You might have called him some worse names than what Damo called Clarko. <laughs> but you were very strong on him, and you said that he was the reason why the cultures cooked at Essendon, and he is the number one person to blame for their failures. And I think it was yesterday. Well, the day before, what he tried to, he came out and um, his dealings for um, Adam Saad were pretty horrible, and I think he was spot on. So, what did what did you make of that? Were you going to say yes, I'm right? I told you so. Nick off. Oh, pretty much, but uh, I think everyone already knew. I mean, everyone knows what Adrian Dodoro is like, and then you know he comes out and says he wants one of three of Carlton's most protected players, Sam Walsh. Harry Mackay and Charlie Kerno. Obviously, that's not going to happen. So why do it? It's just it's just another example of why teams would hate to deal with Essendon at the trade table. And one day it's going to come back to bite Essendon because when they want someone else's player, they're just going to receive the same treatment. So it, it, playing hardball like this just it, it isn't smart. It is, don't play hardball because it will hurt you down the track. So, and look, look, look what Dodoro is doing. It's, it's just stupid. He, they played hardball with Danaher last year. Nick off. Uh, came back to bite them. He stayed on for another year and he ends up wanting to leave at the end of that. Yeah, I think, um, yeah. It, it's hard when you, like, like I said last week, you don't want to keep players ransom if they want to go just let him go and and like yeah you try and get the best deal possible but i think looking at that would be one of those top three players at carlton or he wanted sam de Koning and a first round pick it was very unlikely that you're going to get one of them but hopefully they, the deal gets done before and Essendon yeah. gets something for him because you don't want to i mean he's obviously asking for more than than what he deserves at the start and that's a negotiation yeah. process and we'll see what happens after that but yeah it's not yeah. no good holding players ransom I don't, I don't like it. Hey, Nico, um, I asked uh, Mark, Marco, Mark Allen, his tips for this weekend. He's gone Port and Brisbane to play off mm-hmm. in a granny. Who are you tipping? Yeah, the Port-Richmond game's tough. It's honestly a flip of the coin, but I think the safe bet at this stage is to go with Port because they've, they've got that home ground advantage um, on their side with the crowd there. Mm. And although I wouldn't write Richmond off, by any means, I'd, yeah, I'd, just, I'd tip Port. And in the other game, I'd probably do the same and go Brisbane. They haven't lost at the Gabba all year, so, yeah, I'll stick with them. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. It's going to be a tough game on Friday night. Um, but there's a lot of changes. There's a lot of uh, inclusions for the Tigers that were different to the uh, the game during the year, and that may mm. play a factor. I'm not sure. But, the, yeah, obviously they've got the... Um, They've got confidence that they can win, and the home, the home ground advantage plays a huge part, especially in finals. You remember the cauldron-like uh, uh, feeling when the Tigers played there in the elimination final, and Trent Cotchin p- yeah. picked the wrong way to um, to kick when he won the toss. Yeah. That was horrible. So hopefully those Absolutely. memories don't come back. Yeah. Hey, I, I normally get you to stay uh, stay around for the tweets and emails. So I'm going to do so again this week. Um, because yeah. I enjoy chatting with you. So we'll go to the first one. It's an email from Frankie the Pie Fanatic. 
and he just wrote, and I'm I'm very grateful to him to write in after the weekend. He said, "You were right. We played our grand final last weekend. We were cooked. That's all." And he said, "I was." That all he said. That's all he said, and I, and I was. I was right. I apologized last week that I said they wouldn't beat the Eagles, but I thought they played their grand final against the Eagles and their reaction after the game was kind of like they've already done it, they've won it, and they've spent all their tickets emotionally and physically, and that's exactly what it looked like on Saturday Saturday night. Yep. Yeah, I I expected so much more from Collingwood heading into that game. I expected a a low-scoring slog with Geelong, um, a close game, but it was anything but that really. Um, yeah. It was pretty poor to watch in the end. Yeah, it was. It was um, absolutely. And they won by 68 points, but I'll tell you what, it, it was more than that. The scoreboard doesn't do it justice because they dominated the entire game. They kicked four goals in the last quarter of the pie, so it made it look a little bit more respectable. But um, yeah, yeah, it was it was astonishing. I'll talk about it a little bit later. Um, hey, the next one is from Nathan Weller, your man. He said, hey, James Zabo. Just a quick question. When did Tom Lynch become the new Barry Hall? With the way everyone in the public and media are acting, you would have thought he has been clubbing blokes every game. Disgraceful. Hashtag the gym session. Hashtag give it a rest. Hashtag let's go Arizona Cardinals. Um, <laughs> it was huge on me because I tweeted something about the Raiders and he oh, was like, right. oh, yeah, and he's like, uh, since when do you go for the Raiders, mate? But I was up and about because the Raiders... Yeah, beat the no, Chiefs. Yeah. I was... can comfortably say you've been a Raiders fan for a while now. Oh, oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah, Nico, what about the Tom Lynch thing? Yeah, it was, definitely didn't warrant a week. I thought again, it was, there was a bit of an over exaggeration about it. Mm-hmm. It was a little cheeky, what knee to the shoulder you'd yeah. say, but it was, it was like a little love tap. Um, yeah, again, it was cheeky. Uh, it definitely didn't warrant a week. I didn't even think it. Warranted us to start a uh, fine, to be honest. But um, if you hadn't, yeah. have, if you hadn't have watched the incident and you had to read the headlines or the tweets and everything, and you go, "Ah, oh, Tom Lynch knees an opponent in the head. What a dog!" You would have thought he did something absolutely horrible because the reaction to it was, "Oh, it was next level." Now I know it was stupid. It was a stupid act. As soon as I saw it, I go, "Oh my god, we're going to have another week of this Tom Lynch bashing." Yeah. It was silly. It was silly. But he does play on the edge. Now, Nico, I was a bit of... When I played sport, I was aggressive and I'd do stupid things like that. You can get carried away. But I know I wasn't in the spotlight, so it didn't really matter. And I know when, you, when you're playing footy, you've done some things you regret. When you're playing on the edge, I reckon it's pretty hard to play aggressive 110% and then kind of just go to zero. Now, I'm not saying you do those dog acts, but he's not like he's a, he's a dog sniper player. It's because he's doing it to players like on the ground or and stuff like that after the play when they're not looking at him. I don't I don't yeah. like that. But it's not like 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 uh, Nathan Weller says he's not a Barry Hall clocking blokes behind the play and that sort of thing. Yeah, it's just those cheeky little things that he does that might wind his opposition player up. But I think that's all a part of competitive sports, isn't it? Like it's going to happen. I think it is. And do you reckon, because you, you're, you're a Hawthorne fan, obviously. I mean, everyone in the world knows as soon as they meet you, the, the first 20 seconds, it's going to be about Hawthorne. But you followed the Hawks um, closely during their, their uh, successful years. Anyone who did would have seen that they were the unsociable Hawks. And it comes with... That, like once you once you establish yourself as a successful team and people you know start getting sick of you winning, you got to protect your patch and you got to you got to deal with being the hunted now. And that's what the Tigers were. It's 2017, that was a feel good story. They played a different way. 2018, people were still like, oh look, you know we respect these guys for being a good side. 2019, people got absolutely sick of it. 2020, they're enemy number one and. Yeah. Because of that, you got to change the way that you you are on the field. Now they're aggressive. They want to protect their patch. They want to be the champs. They're the hunted. That's the way you play, isn't it? Yeah, that, that's exactly right. You just need to accept it. You need to, you know, when, when you reach the top, people want to bring you down. They're gonna they're gonna come for you, and people are gonna hate you. And you just got to accept it. You got to accept being the villain. And even if it takes playing like a villain. Um, then by all means do it. I tell you what, I, I, I loved seeing the unsociable Hawks at the time, even though um, opposition fans and media didn't. But now look where we are. I'd do anything to bring that unsociable footy back. I just I thought, you know, it kind of became a part of our DNA during the successful years. Um, teams 
um, yeah, Team Scott scared to go up against us because they saw players like Hodge Lewis, mm. you know, Brian Lake, all those sorts of boys, um, even Brent Guerra, all these tough bodies that you wouldn't want to go up against. And I think that's kind of the same feeling you get with Richmond at the, at the moment, you know. Um, playing against Tom Lynch, you know you're going to be in for a, you know, a tough night. You're going to end up with a few bruises around your body and that's, that's what footy's all about, I think. I mean, I don't condone bad acts, of mm-hmm. course, but, you know, it, it's, a, it's a contact sport. It's a physical game and, yeah, I mean... It, uh, I don't. I, don't I, didn't, I didn't see anything wrong with what Tom Lynch did the other night. Yeah. So. Or, or for me, for Trent Cotchin as well, you make him earn it because to to be the best, you got to beat the best, and the best have to make it hard for you to beat him, and that means psychologically as well because you want to think twice when you're going into a contest against anyone from Richmond, and that's what they've got to do. I have no like people saying, oh, they're, they're very, they're not liked. Oh, it's very unlikable this Richmond time. Who gives a stuff if they like? Who cares who likes you? You've yeah, got exactly. to be the chairs. The only thing that matters is winning games. Basketball, the um, during the Michael Jordan era, there was the Detroit Pistons, uh, nicknamed the Bad Boys. You know, yeah. um, they used to give Michael Jordan a rough time, and the Pistons won championships. And then it, it caused Jordan to evolve into that, you know, into like a more tough physical player, and it caused him to win more championships. And then um, in in Soccer as well. Manchester United um, always had that persona about them as well. Uh, they had um, Eric Cantona um, in the early days, and then um, Rio Ferdinand and uh, Vidic as well were rough, bustling defenders. Yeah. It happens in every sport. You got to have um, a rough side to you, or else you know. As you said, it's the mental side. That's right. Hey, Nico, have you ever heard? So the the three Pete from Brisbane in uh, one, two, and three. Have you ever heard anyone take anything away from those three premierships and say, "Oh, you know what? They won a three Pete, but no one really liked them." Never. Never, never, ever, ever. It's all that counts is premierships, and that's what the Tigers want to do. So if they win, no one gives a stuff if they were liked or not because it doesn't no. make a shred of difference. It gets forgotten down the track that's anyway. Right. That's the only right, thing that it? gets remembered are the are the cups. Exactly right, you win. Exactly right, Nico. It's always a pleasure to speak to you. I better get on with the rest of the podcast and uh, let you do your stuff. I'll be speaking to you on the weekend, mate. Hopefully, after those Tigers win, and uh, hopefully next week you'll be joining me again to talk about something else that pissed you off. Yep, yeah, I, I sure will be. Don't you worry about that, Nick. Off. All right, hashtag the gym session. Please get involved in the show. It was great to talk to Nico there about what's coming up on the weekend and cats are involved in that the cats were fantastic i just wanted to speak briefly about what they did on saturday night against the pies i thought it was tremendous i mentioned earlier 68 points was the final margin but i don't even think the scoreboard does it justice uh you know the the pies kicked four goals in the last quarter um but they kicked one from 49 minutes of footy on the first three quarters it was ridiculous just along the way they control possession from the from the word go, they just suck the life out of them. They had 158 more possessions all up, which is ridiculous. It was like keepings off. It was like watching grade sixes keep the ball off the preppies. They smashed them at the source early on and, and just played that keepings off game. It was it was ridiculous. Dangerfield's attack on the footy was insane. Like if he wasn't marking that thing, he was crashing packs like a man possessed and bringing it to ground. And I don't think I've seen him play a more influential game of footy. I'm I'm probably wrong. Geelong supporters out there are going to tell me off. But I don't think I've seen him play a more influential game. Just just the way he played. And, yeah, he spent more time up forward. But when you've got the the players in the middle, like Duncan and Guthrie, who are just racking up the disposals and and getting the job done, um, you allow him to sit deep. And the way he attacks packs is ridiculous. So if they play that footy anywhere near... That quality of footy on the weekend, they beat the Lions. I don't care if it's at home. At the moment, I don't know if they can do it. And and the finals record is still relevant, regardless of what Chris Scott thinks. The fact he hasn't been able to get them to the finish line, um, he's had a few attempts at it. But since 2011, they haven't been able to do it. And this is the best chance possible. Even in, the, I, I was impressed with the comments in the weekend because they're not hiding it. And some of the players have said, yeah, we want to do it for danger. He hasn't won the flag yet. That's the thing missing from his illustrious career. We want to do it for him. 
I think it's great. And just on it, Tomahawk to kick four goals after the week he had against Port was important for him. Mitch Duncan, he had this, a season-high 30 disposals and 10 score involvements. And he's extremely underrated, as Zach Tui said on the Sunday footy show. I think I think he's, his influence is very underrated. So for those guys all to be in form coming into this match and the way that they played and dominated, you couldn't have asked as a Geelong fan for a better game of footy, in all honesty. So they're they're primed, they're ready. Now they lost, uh, they beat the cat, uh, the Lions earlier in the season. But the Lions have proved that they can learn from their mistakes, and, we, and not a lot of people backed them against um, the Lions against the Tigers in that first qualifier because of part because of the past and past results. But they kind of got the monkey off the back, and they proved that they learned from their mistakes, and they've got this energy, and they're kind of turning the Gabba into a fortress. So it wouldn't surprise. I'd said to Marco that I was I was tipping the Lions over the Catters um, this week. I think they still will get the job done. But in saying that, it is a flip of the coin because the Cat if they if they like I said if they play that footy anywhere close to that dominant footy, they keep it off Brisbane. They're a contested beast, so they're winning it at the source. And and we know how how um, how important centre clearances are at the Gabba. And it'll be interesting to see how um, how Danger plays too because if he's up four and he's crashing packs like he was last weekend, um, a lot of things can go right for the Cats. I'm still going to uh, stick with the Lions because of the home ground advantage, but it wouldn't surprise me. The other game on Friday night, we've got the Tigers and Port Adelaide. Now, the Tigers on the weekend, um, it was a strong performance. Uh, they weren't really challenged much, to be, to be quite frank. They landed a few big hits early and the fight was, was basically over. You thought after quarter time, they looked pretty comfortable. Um, Tom Lynch was incredible. Now, you can say whatever you like about the man, but 17 possessions. He took six marks. He laid three tackles. He contributed nine score involvements. He kicked two goals, five. So it could have been kicked straight. He would have kicked seven, but um, it's never that easy. So he he was a a huge influence on the contest. And straight, it took 12 seconds for you to realize that his absence the week before was a huge factor in Richmond losing. So him, him being back now is going to be vital for them. And then you've got Shea Bolton and Shane Edwards, who were just outstanding from the word go. And Shane Edwards is a final specialist, so his stats rise ridiculously uh, since 2017 when Richmond have become a force. Now, they won by 31 points, and they did it reasonably comfortably. It didn't look, it didn't have the feel of, of the same final. And actually, if you, if you go back and look at finals, um, semi-finals in, in the past... If there's been a poor weekend or a poor game in finals, it's usually on that semi-final weekend for some reason. I mean, you spend all your energy in that first week. In the semi-final, a lot of the time, it's it's involving some teams who... Um, they got the win in the first week, but they looked a little bit cooked. And St. Kilda did look cooked. And, and to be fair, they were missing three crucial stars from their lineup. We know Ben Long and, and Carlisle and Paddy Ryder were out, and they played a huge role in that win over over the Bulldogs. So it was always going to be tough. Um, but yeah, a lot, there was a lot of um, negativity heaped on on Brad Hill. He had only eleven touches on the weekend against the Tigers, and they would have asked for a better season, a better first season from him. Now I know it's hard. I mean, he had his games, but it was it was very sporadic and it was in and out. Um, and I, I don't think he made the top 10 of their best and fairest, but all other recruits did. I'll have to check that again, but I'm pretty sure that's right. Um, so his average of he had an average of 15.9 disposals throughout the season. It obviously dropped to 11 during finals and from those two games. And But there are constant calls for him to go and win his own balls rather than you know relying on others to feed it out. But he's got the best. His skills are phenomenal. So you want the in and unders to get it out to him and let him use it. But I would have expected him or liked him to be involved in the contest a little bit more. And the leaders, the other leaders needed to step up against the Tigers if they were going to have any hope of winning. Um, but he didn't. It's not all doom and gloom, though, because the Saints, they would have hoped, you know, for more, obviously, from his two games and their two games. Um, but it's not all doom and gloom, and there's still the feel-good story. It's still a pass. And I was really impressed with Brett Ratton in the press conference after. Um, I like his honesty. And he wasn't... I mean, there was a couple of questions where he bit back a little bit. But all in all, um, all you can ask from coaches, and Bucks as well, the press conferences after the game from the losing sides were good. They gave a lot. They opened up. They showed their emotion. They were hurting because they really, truly wanted this. And the Saints, that's a pass mark for me because... 
the way they went out there, like I said, they got the recruits they wanted to. They had a they had a decent season. They had their patches where they fell off, but they made their supporters proud. And a lot of people are going to get their memberships. They're getting on the back of this side, and they're going to believe in them because what they showed. Now they weren't that competitive against the Tigers, but they weren't. It wasn't a walkover. They still they still showed a lot. Yeah. Okay. We're going to Port. Now this is the hardest game I think either side have played in a number of years. Now this is successful. Uh, side this season, but they're success-hungry Port Adelaide. They haven't won a flag since so far. We know that. They've got a ferocious crowd behind them. It's the cauldron of Adelaide Oval. This and Remember last time when the Tigers went there for an elimination final, how uh, how hard that was for them to deal with. But this side that lost to Port Adelaide by 21 points during the season, this Richmond side, it didn't have Trent Cotchin, David Asprey, Shane Edwards, Dion Prestia, Toby Nankervis, Jack Gray, Basha Hawley, they all played last week, but they didn't play against Port during the season. So it's a different side altogether. So I don't know how much confidence you're going to take out of that win during the season or how much Ken Hinckley's going to play on that. I'm not sure. I'd be interested in his comments for that. I want to listen out to, to how much he, he references that clash. But at the same time, I'd, I'd, I'd argue that Port are a different side. So they've grown in this time. They've gotten better and better and better. And after winning that first final, the amount of confidence that gives you would be tremendous. And I don't know if... if Tigers playing in consecutive weeks. Does that take a little bit out of them? Are players fully fit? I mean, Port had the week off. How much influence is that going to make? I'm not sure. It's going to be extremely, extremely tough. They've already said they won't tag Dusty um, because they want to go head to head. And 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 like um, uh, like they explained, you tag Dusty, you leave the other midfielders um, open to to rack up the possessions. I don't know what they do. They're going to go head-to-head. It's going to be an exciting game. It was the best game of the home and away season, I feel. Um, the pressure gauge was ridiculous, and the pressure is going to go up in a prelim. They often are the best games of a season, um, if you look through history, the prelim finals. Um, they're, the, they're a better contested side port. They're more dominant in the ruck. They're the best tackling side in the AFL, and they've got the best forward pressure. So they're going to be a tough, um, tough opponent for the Tigers, that's for sure, and... The Tigers remarkably had good clearances last week, but they're ranked 16th in the AFL for clearances. Um, Porter second. So I don't know if the, uh, the Tigers are going to have the, those clearance numbers like they did last week. And if if Port can get um, a good start from the middle, they're going to be able to control majority of that game, you'd feel. And the Tigers are normally good at, good at getting it back. Um, but I don't know how they're going to do I, I'm As a Richmond supporter... I'm extremely nervous. I'd be. I'm extremely nervous for this Friday. It's the toughest game that the, the team has faced in in years. I'm going to go with the Tigers either way, but this is like Nick said, like Marco said, it's a flip of the coin job. So uh, whoever wins on Friday night, they're, they're going to be the team. I think who can put on the pressure for the long, the longest amount of time. That's just the the game styles those two play. So it's going to be a cracker. Hey, I want to end with this, well, with two things, actually, two quick points. Should we scrap the bounce? Because why are we still bouncing it in the center square? It's beyond me if, if umpires can't do it. Now, um, Razor Ray has been dropped from the final series. He probably won't umpire another game this final series. And he was, he's been the biggest talking, one of the biggest talking points, believe it or not. Why are we still bouncing it? He can't bounce the ball. That's fair enough. He brings other things to the game. I still think he's a great umpire. He's very clear with his instructions to the players i think they respect him and it's a bit of i don't know i like the way he umpires anyway decision maker is great you can't bounce the ball you either throw it up or you let the others do it or we just scrap the bounce altogether hashtag the gym session let me know what you think i reckon we should just scrap the bounce and just throw it up i don't see the purpose there was actually a couple times the bounces were horrible and the umpires didn't call it back now i don't know if that's because they were embarrassed about it or what but um it's absurd to me that we still bounce it the last thing what was the reason? Because last week we thought, okay, was it the bye that made the first week of final so great, the best final series since 1994? Or was it the fact that there were shorter quarters? Or was it just a coincidence? What well, we had a pretty poor weekend of finals footy. Um, and a lot of people came to the conclusion that it was the 16-minute quarters that made it greater. So now what is the theory? Is it the bye? What do we do? Have you changed your opinion on it? Because my opinion still sticks, is that I don't think it's the buy, I don't think it's the rest that contributes to better games. 
I just don't. I don't know what the reason is, but I still th- think that the buyers, not the reason. And 16-minute quarters, do we want them to stay next season? Uh, I personally don't. But if they're contributing to better games, I mean, you've got to do that. And we know that um, broadcasting rights are so crucial for the AFL to survive and we need all the money we can get from advertisers and sponsors and broadcasting rights. So making the game uh, um, better and more appealing is a win-win for all clubs involved. So we want to make it the best-looking game possible. So I don't know. Hashtag the gym session. Please let me know. Hey, it's been a lot of fun on today's podcast. I've had a great time. I can't thank Marco enough for coming on and having a chat and opening up to us. Um, your tweets and emails, please um, get involved more. But I appreciate everyone who has uh, already. If you want to like and subscribe to the podcast, that'd be great um, because the boss loves it when we get good ratings on this thing. So to keep it happening, I need those ratings, please. And guys, if your team's not playing Richmond, so those Port fans, I hope your team wins this week and if they're still involved. And I just can't wait for it. Um, Thank you, everyone, for joining me. Look after yourselves, and I will speak to you next week. Go the Tigers.